Thank you for having me on this podcast. My name is Healy Hickson, and I am the current solid organ transplant PGY2 at the University of Virginia Health. Today, we are going to be discussing risk factors for high-level cytomegalovirus viremia, otherwise known as CMV viremia, in liver transplant recipients. This was an article published in the Transplant Infectious Disease Journal in February of 2022. I chose this article for a couple of reasons. One being I have always been interested in opportunistic infection management and the best strategies to use for prevention since it varies based on the institution. Another reason I was interested in this article is because at University of Virginia Health, the pharmacy team has been working to improve our CMV viremia management in kidney transplant patients by developing a multidisciplinary task force in November of 2020 that meets weekly to address complex cases and involves pharmacists closely monitoring levels to ensure patients are adequately treated appropriately by either continual close monitoring or initiating treatment if the viral load surpasses our institution's threshold. Our institution's threshold is two episodes greater than 500 or one episode greater than 1,000. We have seen great success with this task force by not overtreating asymptomatic CMV viremia. My current PGY2 research project is examining this further by assessing untreated low-level asymptomatic CMV viremia without antiviral agents and the risk factors that lead to increased viral loads requiring treatment of the antiviral after the prophylaxis period. I thought it would be interesting to review this article to determine if we should expand this task force to other organs such as the liver. With that, let's dive into the article. The purpose of this study was to evaluate the epidemiology, risk factors, and outcomes of high-level CMV viremia. CMV is a common viral infection that can develop after solid organ transplant and can lead to complications such as end organ damage, graft loss, and even mortality. Patient risk can vary based on the donor and recipient status of the CMV antibodies, indicating a previous exposure. Patients are at the highest risk of CMV viremia if the donor is positive and has been exposed, but the recipient is negative and has not been exposed. To prevent the risk of getting CMV early after transplant, either preemptive or universal prophylaxis can be utilized. Preemptive prophylaxis involves delaying starting a prophylactic agent and closely monitoring the CMV viral loads to detect replication, whereas universal prophylaxis involves initiating agents such as valgancyclovir or latermavir for three to six months, depending on the institution's specific protocol. In this study at the University of Wisconsin, they utilize the universal prophylaxis strategy and initiate an antiviral within 72 hours from transplant. Valgancyclovir is their agent of choice at 900 milligrams daily for six months to high-risk patients or three months if they are intermediate risk. CMV viral loads then continue to be monitored after the prophylaxis period within the first year to ensure that the patient does not develop CMV viremia. However, a positive viral load indicating CMV viremia does not necessarily need to be treated if patients have no evidence of signs or symptoms of active CMV, such as fever or leukopenia. Viral loads greater than 100,000, however, defined as high-level CMV viremia based on data extrapolated from kidney transplant patients, 
can result in patients having negative outcomes if left untreated, such as resistance, recurrence, and even possible mortality. It is recommended to treat these high viral loads with agents such as treatment dose valgancyclovir, IV gancyclovir, or even other agents if resistance is detected, such as sidofovir, foscarnet, or meribrovir. In addition, usually a reduction to their maintenance immunosuppression will be done, such as reducing their antimetabolite by reducing the mycophenolate total daily dose, or even reducing the calciurin inhibitor by decreasing the tacrolimus goal levels. After the treatment period, secondary prophylaxis can also be given to further reduce the incidence of recurrent CMV. At the University of Wisconsin, all patients treated were given secondary prophylaxis with valgancyclovir for three months. This study overall aimed to find risk factors that led to this high-level CMV viremia with the viral loads greater than 100,000. This was a single-center retrospective review of adult liver transplant recipients who underwent transplantation between January 1st of 2017 and September 30th of 2020. Patients were excluded if they received a simultaneous liver-kidney transplant or a multivisceral transplant. Patients were also excluded if they had levels drawn outside of the University of Wisconsin Health Clinical Laboratories. All patients included had CMV viral loads monitored using center-specific real-time PCR to detect CMV viral loads within the range from 200 to 5 million. Levels less than 200 were defined as not detected. Patients received corticosteroids as their induction regimen. Unless donation was after circulatory death, then they received more aggressive induction through thymoglobulin. After induction, patients received triple maintenance immunosuppression regimen, including a calciurin inhibitor, antimetabolite, and a corticosteroid. Corticosteroids are then withdrawn after the first month in patients without autoimmune conditions that led to the liver transplant. The primary objective of this study was to describe the incidence and outcomes associated with high-level CMV viremia after liver transplant. The secondary objective was to identify risk factors for high-level CMV viremia. Graft survival at one year and one and a half years was also assessed after transplant. For their statistical analysis, continuous variables were compared using the student's t-test or Kruskal-Wallis test, and categorical variables were compared using the chi-squared test or Fisher's exact test. Time to viremia was also assessed using the Kaplan and Meyer as appropriate along with graft survival. Lastly, to determine if specific factors were possibly associated with this high-level CMV viremia, a Cox proportional hazard model was also used. A total of 209 patients were included in this study. Patient demographics consisted primarily of male patients with alcoholic cirrhosis or non-alcoholic hepatitis as the indication for the liver transplant. Donors were primarily donation after brain death, and of the 209 patients included, 12 patients developed high-level CMV viremia which is approximately 6% of all patients included in this study. These patients were symptomatic with or without biopsy confirmed end organ disease. 
high-level CMV was significantly associated with graft loss as well at the one-year and one-and-a-half-year mark. Two of these patients also led to mortality due to high-level CMV viremia. The time from transplant to developing high-level CMV viremia was approximately 158 days, plus or minus 77 days. For low-level CMV viremia to be detected, the time from transplant was similar at 150 days, plus or minus 76 days. However, they found low-level viremia was not associated with an increase in graft loss. Risk factors potentially associated with high-level CMV viremia in this study included donor seropositivity, which is already a known risk factor that was found to be statistically significant in this study as well. Higher pre-transplant total bilirubin was also shown to be a possible risk factor with patients having an average of 19.8 total bilirubin, although not statistically significant, maybe an important thing for clinical significance. MELD, the donor type, recipient seronegativity, transplant surgery duration, age, sex, induction, and maintenance immunosuppression regimens were also examined, but found to not be associated with the development of high-level CMV viremia. Although I think it's important to note that for donor type, all of the patients with high-level CMV viremia did have donation after brain death. And for induction, I think it's also important to note all patients that developed high-level CMV viremia actually received no induction besides corticosteroids. And then lastly, for our maintenance immunosuppression regimen, all patients with the high-level CMV viremia did have a calciurin inhibitor and antimetabolite as part of their initial regimen. Although this study has several limitations, including it being retrospective in nature and the limited sample size due to exclusion of patients that obtain levels off-site that could potentially be affected by CMV viremia, it does show CMV viremia continues to be an issue even for our liver transplant patients. This study also does not mention whether the dosing for valgancyclovir during the prophylaxis period was appropriate for the renal function. Overall, this study shows that although high-level CMV viremia is not common, it can have severe negative outcomes such as end-organ disease and graft loss. These results also confirm that it is not necessary to treat low-level asymptomatic CMV viral loads as this does not increase the risk for graft loss or mortality. Treatment should ultimately be guided by the patient's clinical status and not solely based on a lab value, unless, of course, that thyroid load is greater than 100,000 since there was negative outcomes associated. Using these potential risk factors, especially donor seropositivity and the pre-transplant total bilirubin, it can be helpful for CMV stewardship to identify patients at an increased risk for this high-level CMV viremia. Although these patients received appropriate prophylaxis according to the University of Wisconsin's protocol, it is important to recognize late-onset CMV infections after prophylaxis can still occur and remains an issue. Strategies of extending prophylaxis has been studied in other organs, especially the kidney transplant patients, but has not been evaluated for any other organ types and is not utilized in clinical practice. 
Future studies are really needed to determine if certain patient factors are potentially associated with high-level CMV-viremia in our liver transplant patients. I think, ultimately, it's important to evaluate patient-specific factors and ensure if universal prophylaxis is prescribed, the proper dosing is given to patients by continuing to evaluate dosing based on renal function and increasing the dose when applicable. As I mentioned previously, CMV guidelines vary based on institution. For example, when comparing this institution's management of CMV prophylaxis and viremia to University of Virginia Health, there are some differences. At University of Virginia Health, we also utilize the universal prophylaxis, but our dosing is different. We utilize valgancyclovir 450 milligrams for three months for both high and intermediate risk based on donor and recipient CMV status, and typically start this medication by post-op day five or even at the day of discharge. After our prophylaxis period has ended, we do continue to monitor CMV viral loads closely with weekly levels for four weeks. However, our threshold for CMV viremia warranting treatment is also much lower, with a PCR of greater than 200 compared to the 100,000 shown in this study. In addition to symptomatic viremia or evidence of end organ damage due to CMV is also another indication to start CMV treatment dosing. Treatment with valgancyclovir is initiated and continued until the patient has two undetectable viral loads. Then we do start secondary prophylaxis with valgancyclovir 450 milligrams daily for four weeks. Ultimately, continuing to evaluate CMV prophylaxis and treatment strategies should continue to be performed by all liver transplant centers and developing a multidisciplinary CMV stewardship teams, as this article describes, is a step in the right direction, along with collaborating with other centers to determine what their protocols are. Thank you all for listening. I would love to hear what your institution does regarding prophylaxis dosing, as well as the threshold for CMV viremia PCR warranting treatment dosing for CMV viremia at your institution. Thank you. Thank you.